Welcome to the Gospel Gazing Podcast. My name is Wilson Van Hooser, and we are thrilled today to be talking about Sunday evening worship. I know you're you're just pumped to be able to listen to this episode, but we think uh, there's a lot to say here that will be really encouraging. And uh, I'm joined with uh, two awesome guys. One is Matt Lee, who's a ruling elder, who uh, I guess you, you're technically still a ruling elder in our presbytery until transferred, right? Or what? What I don't know what happens there now that you've moved. Uh, well, I guess by virtue of being at a uh, per- perpetual office, right, is what the yeah, yeah, yeah. Calls it. But I think I've, I've transferred my membership now, so I don't know that I can rightly call myself. Yeah, a I'm, just, I'm still trying to claim you for our presbytery. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, you used to be at Covenant Press Fayetteville, which is in the Hills and Plains Presbytery. And tell, tell us where you're at now. That's right. So uh, my family and I recently moved from Arkansas over to Georgia, closer to Ryan BC, you know, just to be a little bit closer to that guy. Uh, where I'm <laughs> now working as a, an assistant professor at Kennesaw State University outside of Atlanta. Uh, that's Northwest Georgia Presbytery, where we're members of uh, Christ Covenant PCA in Woodstock, Georgia. Awesome. Uh, my wife, Caroline, and I, we've got three kiddos all under the age of five. So yeah. it's uh, pretty hectic at, at home. Yeah. And Matt, you were in my installation service for uh, Grace Presbyterian Church. So several of our people, y'all will remember Matt and uh, just the great charge you gave to our elders, uh, which is which is awesome. We also got on the podcast, Ryan Beesey, teaching elder. Uh, down in the uh, the dirty South, uh, you know that 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 state over to the right of the great state of Alabama. Uh, <laughs> you're 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 in Georgia, uh, right. first pres uh, in Fort Oglethorpe. Uh, tell tell us more about where you're at, your family, and all that. Well, uh, my wife's name is Anne, and we have uh, three kids. Uh, my daughter Dabney is nine. My son Thornwell is six, and our newest. Uh, Charlotte will be one on uh, the 21st. So oh, yeah, there you go. by the time this comes out, she'll be a year old. Yes. Yeah. There you mm-hmm. go. Good old December birthday. So mm-hmm. and then how, how long have you been at uh, First Pres? I just finished up my fifth year. Uh, so, or no, I've been here five years. So I um, came over in 2018. I was pastor at uh, First Pres, Winona, Mississippi. And yeah, the first place, Fort okay. Oglethorpe, Georgia. So I only work at first churches. It's, it's, it's just a thing. <laughs> Makes the business cards easier. There you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we only have, I think, I forget who I said this to, but we're only so creative with names in the uh, PCA. So, uh, uh, so anyway, well, we're thrilled to have y'all. And Thanks for having me. It's going to be really beneficial. Matter of fact, as we're recording this, even though this won't be released for a couple of weeks, we just had our first Sunday evening worship this past mm. Sunday night, and uh, it was super encouraging. And uh, we had about 41 people there, and uh, just it was a short, simple, sweet service and talking about the sermons on the incarnation. And uh, it was a great foretaste of what we uh, hope to see be more and more established. But it is that topic of the Sunday evening service that we're talking about. But I think even even before we get into the particulars, really we need to start back at its uh, very foundation. And I think the big question is this, what are the means of grace? And uh, even particularly, what do we mean by a means? So I'll, I'll, I'll put the ball on the tee and I'll, I'll see which one of you want to go first. Matt, you want to? Uh, Ryan, I'll, I'll defer to you. <laughs> You're okay. so gracious. Well, you know, you, you had a great episode with Steven Spinweber uh, just a couple hey. of weeks ago um, on, on that. Yeah. Um, I remember jotting, or I was voice texting myself some of the, the, the phrases that, that were in there that I wanted to include in a, in a sermon or as I, I fenced the table. Yeah, the, yeah. The means are the ways, uh, the the, the, uh, the ways in which the benefits and blessings of Christ's redemption and mediation are received by us. So they're, they're conduits of, uh, of that. Uh, I think the Catechism uses communicated to us. The way we receive them, and there are, of course, numerous, uh, but especially the word sacraments and prayer. Um, and uh, the, the chief means, of course, is, is the word and the preaching of the word. Um, yeah. You know, reading is important. Uh, but the preaching of the word is especially uh, 
powerful as a means of grace. Uh, and that's by God's choice. That uh, mm-hmm. I think, as, as Stephen Spinnenweber said, you know, God has chosen these means. We haven't. And so yeah. if, if we want to receive the benefits that he has for us in the gospel, we need to seek them where he promises to uh, provide them and to give them. It's good. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, and I think where you're going with this is especially thinking about worship, right? Um, that uh, I've heard the joke that, you know, sometimes if a candidate's being examined, they'll be asked, have you ever been under church discipline? And they'll say, oh, no, of course not. And yeah. you know, actually, <laughs> the right answer there is, yes, I'm I'm yeah. constantly under the discipline of the word. Yes, and uh, as Ryan just mentioned, you know, the, the, the means of grace by which that is communicated to us is the preaching of the word and worship, you know, where I think there are so many of the other uh, the benefits and blessings of being part of a covenant community are communicated to us in that. Not only are we uh, worshiping God together, we're hearing the preaching of the word, we're, we're enjoying yeah. fellowship with each other uh, and singing God's praises, hearing each other confess our sins. Um, mm. um, so I, I think there's just a wonderful store of all of these things happening at the same time. And of course, we're being built up and edified as we're being instructed in the word as well. Yeah, Wayne, I love the way you're talking about, both of you are talking about the means of grace this is not merely just a me and God thing. Uh, y'all, y'all are couching it, well, precisely in that language of y'all or we. Uh, why, why is that important to make sure we remember this is not just a me and God thing? I think because God chooses uh, to work with his people, right? That God, um, mm. you know, he, inhabit, he loves um, the gates of Zion more than the dwelling places of 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 his people because that's where his people come together to meet uh yeah, for him yeah. or with him and and so you know it, it's another one of those things well it's it's god's preference first of all mm. and then we can get into even we can see it um vindicated pragmatically that well yeah when i hear someone else confess his sins or her sins yes. and i say you know i'm not struggling all by myself yes I, I, i'm mm. and so that you know the the question and, and uh matt alluded to it about uh Fellowship is fellowship a means of grace, or does fellowship sort of what the way all of those the, those three main means of grace are are expressed? That well, you know, I don't know that we have to say yes or no. Yeah. We, we can say yes and yeah, yeah. I think it's a great way of putting it. I, I remember for the first time this was uh, man probably 2015, hearing someone say, "Why do we do congregational singing? It's mm. not just for you. It's so that you can be encouraging other people. And when you're in this group of people while you're singing these great truths, it's good to hear your brothers and sisters sing this, you know, these same doctrines so that you know you're not in this alone. Yeah, yeah. Matt? Yeah, yeah I think something special happens when God's people gather together, right? Um, yeah. the, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament used to describe the congregation, kahal, is, is you know, the gathering, right? Uh, one of my favorite Psalms too, Psalm 16. Uh, I love Psalm 16, verse three in particular. As for the saints of the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I think there's a natural affection that we should have as brothers and sisters in Christ toward one another. Uh, and so gathering with the church is one of those things that I just simply look forward to each week. Hey, it's Sunday morning. We get to gather with the church and you know, hopefully yeah. it's Sunday evening, we get to gather with the church again. Um, and I think that that kind of pattern continues into the New Testament, too. Uh, when Christ taught his disciples to pray, he taught them mm. to pray our father, which our catechism points out. You know, we pray our father because we are to pray with and for each other. And so, of course, yeah. there's a private and individual nature to our prayer life as well. But there's uh, also something good about and something that Christ himself affirmed about us uh, gathering together and praying with and for each other. Um, and then, of course, as Paul points out in, I think, his, uh, the book of Ephesians, when he's talking about marriage as well and why um, why husbands are to, to uh, sacrifice, uh, live sacrificially for their wives and why, why wives are supposed to give honor to their husbands, uh, it's because Christ loved the church and died for her. You know, he didn't save me as an individual person. He, he saved the church. And by God's grace, I get to be a part of that. that yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Now, inevitably, what what we're leading up to is if we partake in the means of grace, not just as me, but as we, then inevitably that leads us to corporate worship. Uh, There's a lot of different things that might come to mind when we hear that word worship. Sometimes we think, well, isn't all of life worship? Well, in in one sense, sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
but there is another sense uh, where there is a particular time of worship that has its own elements in there, uh, and that is the the you know the corporate worship where we gather as a church body to uh, uh, observe the means of grace. But can you all talk a little bit more, uh, Ryan? I'll come to you first. Just talk to us about what is worship. Sure, sure. You know, John Payne uh, describes it as the preeminent activity of the people of God. It is a response. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, that we forget how important (laughs) worship is. And and John, it's a little. He's got a little booklet called uh, "Splendor and Glory." I think uh, Mm. certainly worth worth picking up. You can read it on a Lord's Day afternoon between morning and evening worship. Uh, But it's a preeminent activity uh, of the people of God. It's a response to His command, His invitation. Uh, to worship and adore him because of his majesty and his grace, right? We worship him as creator. You know, he's he's worthy of worship simply because he's the creator. But we also worship yeah. him because he's uh, the redeemer, and so we respond to all of that. We tell the world what we think of God in 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 corporate worship, and and God blesses us. Uh, and and you know, he of course commands us to come to him in a certain way, right? That that we're to worship is for him. Uh, that he is the audience of worship. I think Rick Phillips says, you know, Reformed worship is audience-driven and seeker-sensitive. God is the audience of worship, and God is the only one who seeks. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Matt? I I totally agree with the point that you raised about all of life is worship in a sense, right? Uh, You know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And we're to do this, whether you eat or drink or whatever it is you do to give glory to God. And so, yes, we should be orienting our lives uh, Sunday through Saturday in in everything that we do to do it in a worshipful way as unto God and not unto man. Uh, But at the same time, I think the Bible is also really, really clear that something special takes place when the church gathers together on Sunday, right? When when God gave the Ten Commandments and said one in seven, you know, that rhythm of six days work and then that one day of putting aside your work and yeah. gathering together as a church, there's something special about the way in which God meets with his people. Mm. Uh, it was a Presbycast episode that, uh, I guess it was actually a, a sermon that uh, Nick Wilborn I guess Brad posts these every once in a while, but preaching on John, John chapter 20 after the resurrection um, and, uh, uh, Dr. Wilborn points out that Jesus met with his disciples uh, after the resurrection on the first day of the week, you know, and therein lies that connection with the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, and uh, why we don't worship on um, Saturdays anymore as as uh, the, the Jews did in the Old Testament. Um, but John, you know, writing in a different way than uh, the other gospel writers is very careful to, to continue this thematic uh, point in uh, chapter 20, where he points out on the first day of the week, you know, Mary Magdalene was going to the tomb early, and that's when um, Jesus met with her. And then later on, it says, uh, you know, there's other stuff that happened for the course of the week. But uh, verse 19, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, a week later, he met with his disciples again. And so that's, uh, you know, really becomes, establishes the pattern for us in the New Testament after the resurrection, in connection with his resurrection, uh, to, to gather uh, with God's people in worship on Sundays now, the first day of the week, uh, which is why I think uh, we, we like to say as Presbyterians that every Sunday is Easter Sunday, right? Mm. Uh, oh, we, now. Don't, we don't have specific holidays, but uh, we have uh, any any given year, we've got 52 of them. Actually, 2023, <laughs> we had 53 of them in, in our church calendar to uh, set aside yeah. the, the Lord's Day as our holy day. And what yeah. a blessing it is to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Now we we're, we're, we've gotten into why is worship on the first day of the week, and uh, I, one thing that's interesting, I, I've even had some uh, literally planners for work where you'll see in some calendars where Sunday is the seventh day on that weekly schedule. Uh, not not that we're going to be the grammar police, but we're very. Uh, familiar with people saying, well, what'd you do this weekend? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're referring to Sunday. Um, but why is it in, in healthy ways? Why is it helpful to remember that Sunday, the day of worship is the first day of the week? Mm. I think it's uh, a blessing to our souls to remember that because we begin our work or our week with rest that we don't earn the rest. You know, the, under yeah. the old covenant, they, Essentially, you know, the, the lesson was you you work and then you rest. Now it's 
You rest. That we yeah. rest in Christ's resurrection. That's what begins our week. That we're being strengthened for the week. I rest. Hmm. And so you're tell you're telling me that this even preaches the gospel to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, the, through the especially the Mosaic Covenant, the Sabbath day was was a sign, uh, and and I think that there there are echoes of that under the New Covenant, of course, that. Um, we are the, the gospel is preached to us at the table, right? That you don't come mm-hmm. to this table because you deserve it. Likewise, you don't get rest because yeah. you deserve it. Mm-hmm. You get rest because Jesus has has won it for you. And so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And the only reason there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God is because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we oh, we just toil seven days. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's only Tuesday, and I'm already I'm getting geared <laughs> up, man. Uh, yeah, Matt, why, why is it important for us to almost just continue to catechize ourselves that this is the first day of the week? Yeah, I, I can't say it any better than Ryan already said it, but I guess just to yeah, build on his thoughts a little bit, uh, the Jews looked forward to Christ's coming, right? And and so they, they worked the week and they looked forward to the Sabbath at the end of the week. And as we, we as Christians in the New, uh, the uh, not the New Testament, but the uh, in the new covenant, right? We we look back on Christ's finished work, and so we launch ourselves from rest, as we as he said, uh, into our, our our week of of work or whatever else we uh, we have to accomplish during the week. We start from a place of rest. We start from resting in Christ's finished work, and then we uh, go on from there, um, seeking to glorify God and to, to worship God in all that we do, but also uh, looking back at Christ's finished work. Mm. Yeah. Now I think it's beautiful that you are tying worship to rest and obviously all this in light of the gospel because at times we can feel the temptation and we can hear our people when you're you know it's been a long week you're tired and we can be tempted to think well let me just take a sunday off and just kind of recover and mm-hmm. watch football all day and why is active corporate worship, why or how is it restful? You know, if you think of the elements of a Reformed worship service, in a, in, in a previous congregation I had the dear lady who was there every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every midweek, except sometimes she just wouldn't be there. And, and I would call her that Monday, I, you know, Miss So-and-so, well, Ryan, I, I just couldn't get myself going. Yeah. And, and, and I, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, this, this old sinful self, I just, I just didn't feel like I deserved to be there. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's then that we, we have this great uh, entree into, into the gospel that, well, do you understand that in worship, God is calling you to be near to Him? He's promising to be near to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we begin confessing our sins. We begin telling the world how bad we are, telling God how bad we are. Yeah. And then in, in a reform service, immediately following uh, the, the confession of sin, there's an assurance of pardon that comes mm. from God's Word that oh, says, yeah, I know how bad you are, and here's Christ who was so good, who was perfect, whose sacrifice is of infinite value and to fully cover your sins. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. how do you rest apart from that? Yeah. The, yeah. If if you're you know watching football all all day would never be a temptation for me because you know but but other things would be a temptation for me but th- there, there's always anxiety right if if it's just yeah. watching uh, my wife and I are watching Matlock now because we're we're we're, we're training to be boomers I guess <laughs> <laughs> and but but it, but in a Matlock show there's anxiety right because you you mm. know that the guy's innocent and you're trying to get the guilty one but in worship the anxiety yeah. falls off because we hear what mm. God has declared about us. And, and, and we see it at the table. Again, we see this is yeah. not for good people. We proclaim his death at the mm. table. Why? You know, it sounds so anticlimactic, but that's what sinners need to hear. Christ died for you. Yes. And he's yes. coming again. Mm. So, yeah. you know, we proclaim his death until he comes. That, that's how we rest, because mm. everything's yeah. been paid. Everything's been given. That's so, so beautiful. Yeah. Matt? Is there anything more restful and invigorating than meeting with God, you know, as yeah. his people? And, you know, like Ryan's already talked about, uh, casting, confessing our sins, casting that burden off of us um, and, and knowing, receiving that that pardon and knowing that uh, in Christ we have uh, forgiveness of our sins. Um, 
I think, you know, so we can argue from a, a scriptural uh, sense in, in favor of the restfulness of worship. Yeah. But then I think on the other hand, in a practical sense, if people are really being honest in terms of the things that they would rather be occupying themselves with, um, you know, you mentioned football. Uh, I've, I feel like I've seen joked about on social media or maybe articles or uh, things like that. People talking about how after a day of watching football on Sunday, they really need Monday off of work to, yeah, <laughs> to, yeah, to exactly. recover. And so yeah. I think, yeah, there is this sense of like uh, anxiety and stress and like really laboring about, you know, putting together a Super Bowl party or something like that takes yeah. a lot of effort in a way that fellowshipping with God's people and, and truly experiencing his rest in that way uh, doesn't do for you, you know? And so uh, there's another principle there too, which is, um, you know, the Ten Commandments are repeated first in two places, right? Exodus 20, in which the Sabbath is connected with creation, but then it's also repeated for us in Deuteronomy 5, uh, in which the Sabbath is actually connected to the Israelites' redemption from slavery. Uh, and what's explicitly made, uh, what's made explicit to the Israelites there is when you rest on a, on, a, on the Sabbath, when you rest on the Lord's day, you are extending the benefits of that to the people under your care. To your animals yes. to your livestock to the to the sojourners um because you remember you were a slave and you for years did not have that sabbath rest because you were enslaved uh and now thank god praise god you experience that rest pass on that benefit and that blessing to others as well right when we think about the kinds of activities that in in, in our sinful hearts we would perhaps rather be engaging in um, you know, commerce or recreation, you know, going out to eat or something like that. We don't think too much of it, but if you really think about uh, what you are asking other people to do on your behalf, yep. uh, you're taking away the benefit of rest from them as well. So I think yeah. uh, not only for us and for our spiritual benefit and ref refreshment and, and uh, the, the rest that we need by engaging in worship, but also extending that benefit, being uh, missional in, in holding up the gospel to our communities by uh, being countercultural and resting on that day, we can extend that uh, redemptive principle to them as well. I think it's really good. And it reminds me of my own time when I was in seminary, learning more about the Sabbath. And, uh, and I, and I have a, I have a football background, even, uh, uh, at least a, a year of playing professional and about, you know, four months, you know, with the NFL. And that was, even as a Christian, I, I was learning like, Oh man, uh, what do I believe about the Sabbath? And, mm. Uh, but I remember really when I was at RTS Jackson and some of our pastors at, at Pear Orchard Presbyterian Church, uh, really just learning from them. And then as I became more convicted about the Sabbath, my wife and I thinking like, okay, well, how, how do we practice this? And yeah, you know, kind of a little, little different at first. And then all of a sudden it was like, we, we look up and we were like, why have we never been doing this? Mm. And and just the whole, uh, I mean, just how restful it was for morning and evening worship. And sometimes you'd have people over for lunch or you'd go, you know, when other people were having hospitality or, um, you know, we, we would have a youth Bible study and stuff like that. Even you may be, quote unquote, working. I know, Ryan, I'll, I'm going to follow up with you on this about what about the pastor's Sabbath. Uh, but even that quote unquote working, which is really just, is just effort. It's restful. Mm -hmm. Um, so Ryan, that, that does actually lead to a popular question that pastors are often asked, you know, well, if y'all believe in the Sabbath and it being a day of rest, but y'all have to, you know, pastors, you have to work on the Sabbath. So what does it look like for a pastor to still observe the Sabbath, not, not a Sabbath. Yeah, I think that's a an important um, concern. But we have to remember that you know Jesus, when he was speaking about the works of piety that the priests were doing on the seventh day Sabbath, he says they don't break the Sabbath, they don't profane the Sabbath by their works. So yeah. the Sabbath's not just about idleness. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just about cessation Good. of activity. Mm -hmm. It's about filling the day uh, with redemptive activity uh, that mm. is that is commanded uh, by God. And so yeah, you know. I, I would, I think it's it's restful. Now, at the end of a Lord's Day, I'm tired. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. But also on the Lord's Day is about the only day of the week I get a nap. Yeah, so that's true. It, 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 you know, between morning and evening worship. It, and so, uh, yes, the pastor should rest his body physically, um, 
throughout the week, right? We don't we don't say, well, you only you only sleep one day one day, <laughs> one night one night a week. So yeah, of course, it's, it's the pastor Sabbath looks different, but you know what? A doctor Sabbath is going to look different also. You know, if he's on yeah. call, um, yeah, police officer. Yeah. Yes. So there, we, we we mustn't think that the Sabbath is just about stopping eating a big lunch, taking a, a nap, and then wasting the rest of the day watching reruns. Yeah. It's, it's filling the day. It's finding ways to serve others. Yeah. That, um, you know, I, I remember a conversation with a, a fellow student at RTS. He said, you know, why, why is it, he was talking about people in the church, he said, why is it I can lie in my bed on the Sabbath, but I can't lie in my pool? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe that's, you know, approaching the Sabbath from the wrong perspective. Yeah, yeah. But we need to remember that it's not just about a cessation of activity, but it's a day of a special resting in Christ. That, I think, is really key because that's often the way when we think of rest, we only view, you know, we we almost uh, do like reverse Gnosticism where we only think about ourselves and body and we forget we're also soul. Uh, So when we think rest, we think, oh, nap time or don't do anything where it's like, well, uh, an example of this is I remember when I was at Tulane, our strength and conditioning coach, he actually really encouraged us on Fridays when we did not have formal workouts. He said, y'all need to pursue active rest. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it was like, it's not the rigorous workouts and you know your body's really breaking down. What we would often go do is just have fun playing sand volleyball it changes the pace and it, it, it was very restful, but it was also active. And, and in a lot of ways, it's like, it, it's Ryan, you mentioned this a while back. It's doing the things that we're not always able to do. Um, even when it can be things like having a nap, stuff like that, which is great. Um, now, let me, let me jump in there. with yeah, a couple yeah, yeah, of yeah, I want to go back to one thing that you said a little bit earlier in terms of like when you first started getting in that yeah. Sabbath rhythm, you know, you and Grace said, hey, why haven't we ever done this before? And I think uh, I, I don't remember who said this. Maybe one of you guys do. But basically, the idea is that uh, the love of the Sabbath is caught, not taught. Yeah, um, that's good. And it's, uh, you know, you, you can read books about it or, you know, read passages from the Bible about it all, all day long. But it's really until you get into the the discipline of week in and week out, setting aside that Lord's Day, that you learn to love and appreciate not only God's people, but also God's blessing for you on that day. And, and uh, you know, for me, having that evening worship service was really where my love yeah. of the Sabbath was caught. Um, and I think, uh, too, uh, when we think about that principle, we should also think about uh, maybe as as uh, teaching elders or ruling elders, the, the folks that are under our care, uh, and to realize that, you know, that they, they haven't all caught the love of the Sabbath yet, but uh, what can we be doing as leaders to move them along and, and help them to catch that love of the Sabbath? So that's one thought to, to go back to. Um, and then the second thing um, in terms of just like uh, for pastors, should it be different or something like that? And I think uh, in our, you know, kind of modern sensibilities, we have this therapeutic attitude about everything yeah. that we do, you know, the, the moral therapeutic uh, theism that it's sometimes talked about. And, you know, um, actually, so I'm an education researcher. And one of the studies I did, I had a fascinating opportunity to study uh, Sabbath keeping policies in private Christian schools. Still oh, one, cool. one, one of my favorite research projects that I've done. And I remember yeah. parsing through a lot of the comments and a lot of the folks say, hey, you know, it's, it's really important to take a Sabbath and just as long as it's a 24 hour period sometime in the week, you know, what, whatever you need to do to recharge and uh, to, to reduce God's high holy day, what he says in, uh, I think, Exodus chapter 31, above all else, you shall remember my Sabbaths, to reduce the blessing of the above all else that God tells us to do to something that's simply uh, therapeutic for our rest and recovery, I think, is uh, really depriving us of of, uh, getting the true blessing out of the day that we can. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, you're seeing this a lot in the working world, there's a ton of these books. I've actually have several of them here and they're talking about this idea of taking a weekly Sabbath as if it's just a novel idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there reading it and I'm like, Hey man, this has been around for a long time. <laughs> uh, and, and I think what, what, what an example of common grace uh, of us being reminded like, yeah, of course we need this. Now we need to, it needs to be the type of Sabbath that God wants us to have. But even just 
the bare example of people realizing, oh yeah, I need to find ways to rest and change up the pace. I think that's that's you know, I, th- I think it's a helpful reminder for Christians to see even when non-Christians say that, where we need to be reminded, yeah, there's a reason why we have this. Hmm. Um, now, Matt, you were talking earlier about how uh, when Jesus uh, uh, was resurrected and uh, he appeared to Mary and then he came among the uh, the people on the evening. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things we can see through Scripture in Old and New Testaments is the rhythms of morning and evening. Um, it's not merely a Sabbath morning, it's a Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. And it's a day that's meant to be filled with worship. And how that's often in the history of the church, you've seen that wherever the gospel's been proclaimed, when the church has been at its healthiest, Many times, if not most times, you've seen morning and evening worship. So can y'all interact with that, uh, the the rhythms there? Before we talk about how it happens at y'all's particular churches, can y'all interact with the biblical rhythms there of morning and evening? Um, yeah, the, uh, the morning and evening sacrifices at the tabernacle and in the mm-hmm. temple— um, even even at creation, of course, there was evening and there was mm-hmm. morning, so there's mm-hmm. a focus on those two points in the day. Uh, and then Psalm 92, which we're told, is a song for the Sabbath. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, uh, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. And of course, it's not exclusively those times, right? Only yeah. in the morning <laughs> and in the evening. But those two do bracket uh, the day, Matt, yeah. I remember we were talking about this some months ago, and you say, you know, that two points is a vector. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm. that, that's that been really uh, practically useful for me to see that those those bookends uh, create uh, a benefit for our for our lives and the way we spend the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If, if it's uh, just reserved to the Lord's hour, then really we can spend the other 23 however we like. But if I'm thinking about not only getting my family to morning worship, but then also evening worship, then that affects the way that we have to plan the whole day, right? We actually have to start making our preparations, maybe Saturday, maybe even Friday to make sure that all of the errands are done, all the, all the groceries are bought. Um, We are fully prepared to enjoy this day of rest um, from start to close. Um, I love the way that the, the, so we've been attending uh, an uh, an evening worship at a local OPC uh, in Marietta and the, the way that the pastors say, what a delight it is for yeah. us to gather together once again at this close of this Lord's Day. You know, I just love hearing. Oh, good. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Ryan mentioned a few passages where we see the pattern of it. Um, it's interesting that not only the, the, the entire Bible is actually bookended with this morning and evening pattern, right? Not only in creation do we oh, see good, good. God, yeah. God saying there was evening, there was morning, the first day, the second day, so on and so forth. But we actually see it in Revelation as well. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple passages here. Uh, Revelation 4, 8, the four living creatures, each moved with six wings, full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never cease oh, to stay. Man, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. A couple chapters later, chapter 7, 15, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And so, you know, I think it's remarkable that the first book and the last book in the Bible mm. for us mention this pattern, and even in um, uh, uh, in in in, in the, new, the new heavens to come, you know, there's a, a hymn that we sing that's like, "There's there there will be no night there." But in Revelation, it actually says there is yeah. day and night, and we continue this pattern of morning and mm. evening. Um, a couple other things that come to mind, I think, uh, when Ezra, uh, it wasn't Ezra, actually, I think it was before Ezra got there, but in the book of Ezra, when the first group of exiles returned to Jerusalem, one of the first things that they do is set up the morning and evening sacrifice again. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this this pattern was established in the Old Testament. It was established at creation by God himself, and it continues into the New Testament as well. And one of the yeah. few worship services, New Testament, you know, Christian worship services in the Bible, Acts 20, when Eutychus falls out of the window, yeah. uh, is because it's an evening worship service. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we know they were meeting for evening worship um, uh, in, in the days of the Apostle Paul there at the, at the Presbyterian Church. Mm, yeah. I remember 
He was okay, by the way. He didn't yeah. die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did die. Yeah, I try. I try to encourage myself with, uh, you know, if that happened in Paul's sermons, it can happen in mine too. So mm. you know, we'll be all right. Uh, <laughs> clear the windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll put we'll put mattresses out out, out <laughs> outside. Um, I remember when Sinclair Ferguson came to RTS Jackson. He was given the uh, John Reed Miller preaching lectures. And it was the session where he did uh, just Q&A session. And uh, actually, he did two different Q&A sessions. One of them, this is kind of a funny story. I actually was the first in line and I asked some question about Martin Lloyd-Jones. He took 45 minutes to answer that question. Mm -hmm. And no one else was able to ask a question. And I was like, I won't do that again. Uh, (laughs) But then uh, the next time, we had a Q and a session with them and somebody asked basically the question of what's one of the biggest health indicators of uh, the evangelical church today. Mm. And without skipping a beat, uh, he mentioned the fact that uh, it, it, it really shows us a lot about how much evening worship has been canceled mm-hmm. and how many churches are not doing it. Um, and I remembered, you know, and I, that was at that point, I was already convinced of the Sabbath, but it was just such a good, uh, fortifying of my convictions there of hearing another very seasoned minister and theologian say, yeah, this, this is even when you look at the history of the church, uh, when churches have been, you know, strongest, uh, people want to worship, Mm. um, now y'all y'all have been part of evening worship services at your churches, uh, and and uh, uh, Matt, I know at Covenant where you were a ruling elder, y'all had morning or y'all still have morning and evening mm-hmm. worship. Uh, Ryan, y'all do morning and evening. What's what's evening worship just been like for y'all in your churches? It's the best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it really is. Yeah. That's, that's the t- you know, it's the sweetest time of all. You know, people aren't rushing home because they got a roast in the oven. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe some of the younger yes. families who you know have really struggled to get there, but they might they might cut out very quickly after the benediction. But for the most part, people mm. will linger there for half an hour, forty five minutes, yeah. fellowshipping, taking you know, extending the means of grace another yeah. another hour uh, even. Um, we'll have a hymn sing to to right before the worship service begins. And, you know, it's the kids who are selecting the best hymns. I know. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. And I, I tell people, you know, if you want to, if you want to be blessed, go, go watch the live stream of independent Presbyterian church in, in Savannah. And, yeah. you know, that the first few minutes where Terry Johnson is, is up there taking hymn requests and he is just interacting in the sweetest way with those kids who are oh, asking awesome. for hymns. Um, so I think, you know, maybe a little bit less formal. Now, if, if you're yeah. having um, the Lord's Supper, which I always encourage, you know, yeah. have the Lord's Supper as often in the evening as you do in the morning uh, or, or alternate, you know, so you're having yeah. it every Lord's Day if you're in every Lord's Day congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you would want to maintain the formality um, more so than otherwise, but yeah. that, you know, people are tired, uh, but it, it's still it's still good a uh, sweet time for the for the family to come together, the family of God. Yeah. And, you know, I told my elders, you know, we'll, we know that the church is growing when evening worship attendance is growing. That yeah, good. morning attendance, you know, it's it's great to look out there and see a, a, a burgeoning crowd. And yes, evening worship attendance will be smaller, but as it grows, I'm, then I'm confident the congregation is mm-hmm. actually growing spiritually. And why can you can you explain that a little bit more? Because I, I think you're making a good point, and it's it's worth elaborating on. Um, you know, the, the, I think, I don't remember who it was. I know it was, it was a, a prominent theologian that if I could remember his name, people would recognize it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he said, you know, the, the response to the morning worship is evening worship. Mm. That if people are coming back for evening worship, they've grasped the morning worship sermon that the Spirit has, has met with them and they're wanting more. And I think yeah. that's one of the benefits of, uh, of evening worship too, that, you know, the, the ground has already been plowed over a little bit. And so the mind has already you know, been pulled back that, that from the backsliding that's happened all week, and you know yeah. we, we know we know what happens. At least yeah. it happens in my life. Maybe 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 nobody else. But it's just you. Just it's, you just, it's just me that's been backsliding all week. But then on the Lord's Day morning, when pulled back, yeah. And so we're already 
more uh, prepared uh, for to receive the implanted word with meekness in mm. in the evening. That's good, Matt. Yeah, what what I think about you know if if I've fallen sick, my physical health. How do I know that I'm recovering? Well, my my appetite starts coming back, right? And so I think uh, what Ryan was talking about in terms of like, how do I know my congregation is growing? Well, if they've got this ravenous appetite for worship, yeah, that tells yeah. you that there's some spiritual health and vitality going on. You know, yeah. uh, this might be maybe even this, the same theologian. This is a great podcast for forgetting all the, the prominent theologians. Names <laughs> but, um, and so Ryan and I were recently in attendance at the Reformation of Worship conference held at Midway awesome. Presbyterian uh, yeah. here in Georgia. And I can't remember who it was, but they said, how do you measure the health of the morning worship service by the health of the evening worship service, right? That's if good. the church is so overflowing in worship that it can't be contained in the morning worship uh, service. And so it just overflows into the evening worship service. You know that you've yeah. got something good going on. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with Ryan. It, it, it totally is the best, you know, in terms of, I, I feel like uh, being able to see people twice on that day, helping yeah. really to get to know people, even just, you know, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, there is, I think, um, some just practical element of uh, having it be a little bit less formal. Uh, it was yep. certainly a simplified service for us at Covenant in uh, in Fayetteville. Uh, but even such, um, in, in Fayetteville, we actually, this was one of our COVID things, uh, we all we started taking the Lord's Supper on a weekly basis, but alternating the morning and evening worship services. Yeah. And that started to uh, not only lend a nice weight to uh, the, the seriousness of what we were doing and gathering again, but then it also encouraged a lot, uh, a lot of our folks to say, you know what, I need to start coming to the evening worship service because yeah. if the elders are saying this is important enough to serve uh, the Lord's Supper at, then it's important, important enough for me to be there. Um, but then I think um, uh, just uh, some of the sweetness of, of the less formality of it, uh, the, 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 the hymn sings that may take place on a, on a monthly or semi-regular basis, the, uh, the request from the children and more participation from them, the, the fellowship that extends afterwards. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I've really appreciated about our church here, so we've got a monthly evening service, not a, 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 a weekly evening service, which is why I mentioned that we uh, go to that OPC uh, some, some evenings, but at our... Um, monthly uh, evening service with our PCA, it is often held in conjunction with other local PCAs. And so oh, there's this cool. wonderful sense of, uh, of uh, ecumenicity uh, that takes place. You know, the, uh, the truly uh, Catholic reformed faith yeah, is that yeah. we're not just a, a, a congregationalist independent church just floating in, in the sea, but we are connected to all these other local bodies. And so worshiping with other local PCAs has been a wonderful way for us to uh, maintain those relationships and, and to connect with uh, uh, the wider body and to be reminded of just that Catholicity that we get to enjoy as Reformed believers. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. Uh, now, you you had mentioned uh, earlier about how one of, the, one of the things that's great about evening worship service is when we can do the Lord's Supper. And you had mentioned how because it shows that the elders are essentially telling the people, hey, this is important. So why why is it necessary to have officer buy-in? You know, there, there's a, a saying. You know, the church will never be more holy than the pastor. Mm. Um, I, I you know, as a pastor, I, I don't I don't know about that, but certainly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like cringing inwardly. Yeah, but certainly the congregation <laughs> will never be more holy than her officers. Yeah, yeah. And you know, just speaking as a pastor, if my if my officers weren't coming to uh, morning, evening, you know, to worship, you know, there's a question of, of fitness, there's a question of, of calling, and um, the, the congregation needs to see their officers. They're, they're the ones who are to lead by example, right? 1 Peter yeah. 5, to set an example for, for the flock. And, you know, if I, I would be concerned if my officers aren't, you know, craving the Word. Now, you know, some of them may be sick, they may be uh, infirm, but for the most part, you know, if they're able to fulfill the functions of their office, then why aren't they uh, there yeah. in evening worship? And, and you know, you want to see them uh, appreciating, growing, uh, craving uh, the Word. I mean, uh, when I came here, we didn't have an evening worship service, and that was one of the things I said, you know, the public committee, well, if I come, I'm going to want to start an evening worship service. Yeah. And, you know, we had officer buying, because they, they had one in the past, but somehow it it, it, it died. Um but you know the Lord has been been wonderful uh, in His faithfulness to see it grow again, and so I, I had that buy-in from the officers that they yeah. understood. Yeah, 
Now, uh, I, I couldn't help but do this this past Sunday night. We, we did the Lord's Supper, and uh, we were getting ready to eat the bread. And I just I just said, like, isn't this awesome? Twice in one day. Mm-hmm. And, and it really was. It just was one of those moments where you could just see the group of our people, how happy they were to do it again. Mm. And, uh, and everything y'all have been mentioning earlier, just the, you know, the singing and, uh, just the, the lingering after the service. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you, you got to start kicking people out the doors. I mean, that's what you want to have. And yeah. I, I used to, uh, cut the uh, power. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you flick, flick the lights a couple times. Yeah, but uh, my deacons are literally after a half hour, they're yeah. turning off the lights in the auditorium. <laughs> and okay, you know, we got to got to close off this yeah. building. Yeah. Well, I, I learned that in RUF and in uh, youth ministry is a little bit different because if their parents don't come pick them up, then they're forced to stay there. But <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I've learned that in RUF and then and then being here is that it, it's a very good sign whenever your people linger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is something that's beautiful about the evening worship service is that it's just people just, you know, you can tell they want to be with each other. Um, now thinking about the structure of the evening worship service, uh, it is, it is a little bit different. It's, it's another service. It's still a service, but oftentimes it's more simple, uh, for lack of better words, more, more, uh, casual or laid back. Um, how do y'all? How have y'all done at y'all's churches evening worship, and and maybe why have y'all done it that way? We um, at, at First Press Fort O, unless you know, if if we're having the Lord's Supper, which we will do once a month on Sunday night, uh, it'll be very similar to our uh, morning worship: confession of sin, assurance of pardon, confession of faith, and so on. Um, but on on weeks where we don't have uh, the Lord's Supper, we'll have an extended scripture reading. An extended, you know, prayer, and then move, you know, and then sing, and then move right into a sermon to shorten it. And because we've we've done the those crucial elements of worship in the morning, yeah, and then to give more time uh, to prayer, and and it's specifically a prayer of adoration and thanksgiving. It's not mm. primarily a, a prayer of petition. Now, sometimes you know, you, you it's hard to distinguish. Sometimes when you're thanking, yeah. you're asking for <laughs> for continued yeah. mercies, yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. to focus the people and to help them. Th- realize your know, prayer isn't just asking that we can pray and the only things we're doing in prayer are thanksgiving and adoration and that's okay and that's even commendable yeah, that's a very good point yeah let me comment on a couple of things that we had just talked about one with the officer buy-in you know what was particularly convicting for me when i was actively serving as a ruling elder larger catechism 118 talks about why yeah, the yeah. sabbath is the command of keeping the sabbath is especially directed towards governors of families and of superiors, right? If you read in Exodus chapter 20, when it talks about the, 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 the remember the Sabbath, um, the direction is specifically given, you shall not do work, neither you nor your son, nor your daughter, your male. It's it's clearly directed at a, at a head of a household here. That's good. Uh, and the larger catechism picks up on this to say, well, officers, I think in particular, should be uh, mindful of this because not only are you supposed to keep it yourself? But you're supposed to lead in such a way that encourages others others under your charge to keep it as well. You know, you think about uh, when Nehemiah was governor, the way in which he cl- shut the gates to ensure that the entire city was doing this, and he sent the uh, the merchants away. Uh, you know, or you think about Joshua saying, "As for me and my household," you know, speaking on behalf of yeah, his household. Yeah, um, I think it was extremely convicting for me to think about how can I give a faithful witness? How can I stand before the throne? Of- throne of, uh, of judgment, you know, with hopefully uh, a clear conscience to say that as uh, to the best of my ability, I was uh, seeking to be faithful in, in leading others in this way. Mm, um, yeah. And then with respect to uh, the, the structuring, you know, you mentioned having uh, communion both morning and evening, uh, the, the, the evening service that you guys had this past week. I mentioned I have three young kids all under the age of five. Yeah. So worship is uh, a little hectic, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it's been uh, when we were just a married couple or even as, as single, single people. And it's, it's, not, not it's not super common, but it's not uncommon for uh, either my wife or me to have to excuse ourselves while communion is being served to attend to uh, you know a kid's need. It might be misbehavior, or it might just be you know a biological need or something or other, you know. And so having that 
the, the bl blessing of that sacrament being offered morning and evening means, well, if you miss it in the morning, you get to take it in the evening. You yeah. know? So there's a, there's a benefit yeah. there as well. And, you know, I think we as husband and wife can show love for each other too by making sure, hey, I got to listen to the sermon in the morning. Let me do the heavy lifting with the kids in the evening to make sure that you get the, the, uh, the benefit and the blessing of sitting under the word. I would also say in terms of structuring the evening service, Get a lot of singing in there. You know that's one of the yeah. joys of gathering with the people again. Right. Uh, is to is to sing to to learn that that hymnal or psalter or songbook, whatever you use, even better. Um, there was one church uh, we worshipped with um, this past summer, a PCA outside of Charlotte. Their evening service, I noticed, they would sing two hymns back to back before moving on to the next element in the worship service, and it just kind of struck me that by yeah. singing it back to back, you you not only got to sing two hymns in a row or two psalms whatever it yeah. was but it didn't actually extend that service all that much longer because you yeah, got all that yeah. transition time in between to say okay now we're moving on to the next element or something like that it was just we're singing this one and now we're singing this one and yeah. it was just a wonderful way of essentially doubling the amount of singing we got to do you know of course yeah. having a hymn sing like i, I know uh, ryan's church does every once in a while uh, at their evening service or as he mentioned uh, independent presence savannah uh, that's a wonderful way of of uh, getting uh, not only your families involved, but your young children involved as well. You know, it's, and it, that extends, I think, to to family worship too. All the family worship books say yeah. one of the the great ways of getting your kids involved and excited about family worship is to have singing involved in there as well. So it's not just reading and prayer, which are wonderful blessings as well, but can be a little bit more um, challenging for the kids. But if you're singing as part of your your family worship, then yeah, you know, that's a wonderful way to get your kids to look forward to it as well. I've heard this over the years at different churches where sometimes people will say the reason they don't go to evening worship is because they want to have family time and family worship. How is the evening worship service beneficial to actually have family time and family worship? Hmm. Well, um, who's your family? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, this, there you this, go. Is, this is your family. Yeah. Um, but but also it's 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 like saying well I don't want to eat dinner because I want to eat those little Debbie Christmas tree cakes, <laughs> which are good. Which are good. They're delicious. <laughs> they're, they're you know we we ate them uh, right after as our, that was our dessert at Thanksgiving because uh, Thanksgiving <laughs> is over. Yeah, you this started is the quick. official commencement yeah. of the Christmas season. That's amazing. But also remember wh what. What are you drawing from? You know, yeah. you were a football player. I I, I ran cross country. Um, you know, the the coaches would would make. You know, you, you've got to have a reserve of energy yeah. uh, for the last half mile, or mm. I don't know whatever the the yeah, yeah. in football whatever the terminal. You've got yeah. to have you got to have energy, and you, for family worship and even for private worship, what you're drawing on is public worship. Yes. You know, uh, Larger Catechism 155 uh, highlights the importance of the preaching of the Word. Right? It, it, it's good yeah. to read the Word. It, it's, it's great to read the Word. But the best thing, more important than all of the quiet times, all of the private and family worships throughout the work, is the preaching of the Word. It says uh, the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves, of drawing them unto Christ, of conforming them to His image, of subduing them to His will, of strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. And so those, the, the Westminster Divines, as they were reading the Scripture and synthesizing it and seeing how does God choose to work, what they saw is, it's not just the reading of the Word, but the yes. public preaching of the Word, that God has chosen to work in that way, especially intensely. Now, we, yeah. I don't understand why it is that way. I couldn't give you, you know, a, yeah. a, an explanation of why, why is it more, you know, I got a shelf, two shelves full of John <laughs> Owen books over there. Yeah, yeah. Why is preaching, mm. by God's choice, used more effectively than, than all of those John Owen books? Yes. I don't know. But that's what his choice is. And I think it's because of the things mm. we've been saying about uh, how God works with his body, right? He didn't just, yeah. he didn't just die for Matt Lee. He died for the, the, the people of God. Yes, he died uh, yes. for us as individuals, but as his, as yeah. his bride. And so, you know, I, I, I would go at, at that, you know, we're going to miss uh, corporate worship because we've got family worship. Well, so you know what? Skip family worship on the Lord's Day. Yeah. If, yeah. If, it's, yeah. if it's going to keep you from, from evening worship, yes. skip it. 
Yes, because mm-hmm. the ben- the benefits of the yeah. evening worship and yeah, Matt, how about you? I mean, you. Right, I, I love that Debbie cake example. It must be a Chattanooga thing. I think <laughs> Ryan close to Chattanooga there. Uh, I, so the thing I love about the Sabbath is that um, things that are not sinful on other days are things that we are called to put aside on the Sabbath, right? And yep. by nature of how we do that, we are orienting ourselves heavenward and we are pointing ourselves towards something better. And I think so that, that analogy was so clever because we're, we're saying, we're not, we're not saying these things are bad. We're not saying don't do them on other days. We're saying, look for what's better on, on the Lord's mm. day. You know, uh, the, the, uh, the other analogy that I've um, th- thought a lot about is, you know, thinking about the Israelites, uh, leaving Egypt and going to the promised land, they were craving leeks and melons. Well, leeks and melons are, are fine, but it was the food of slavery for them. You know, yeah. leeks and melons are good. Yeah. Milk and honey's better, you know? And so they were pointing themselves forward to something that's even better. And, you know, if we're thinking about heaven and what that's going to be like, it's going to be a lot of corporate worship. And so if we're preparing yeah. ourselves for heaven, if we are fitting ourselves for heaven, uh, mm. then let's, let's orient ourselves to, uh, take take part of that more and more. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now we're we're in a college town. Uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma State is you know uh, a massive part of just the everyday every week schedule of Stillwater. Uh, we also have a, uh, a hospital system here, and so. Uh, you know, there there are many different schedules people have. Some people have to work of necessity on Sunday mornings. But why do y'all think in a college town, why do y'all think it would be important to have an evening worship service, even just thinking just practically beneficially for the town of Stillwater? Well, you know, double the means of grace. But I also think in a in a college town, it's a reminder that our identity isn't in uh, the team. Our yeah. identity isn't in the number mm-hmm. of letters after our name. Our identity yeah. is in Christ, you know, just as mm-hmm. Paul was writing to those Roman colonists in Philippi, that your identity, your citizenship is in heaven. Uh, but also, you know, in, in a college town, it's easier to keep the 9 to 5, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. It, it, in many ways, keep, our Lord's Day evening service is going to be easier in a college town. Because at least you know when I when I was a college student, things were closed on on non business yeah. hours in the just in the town. Yeah. Uh, because a college is not they're not offering classes on the Lord's Day. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, they're they're not. You know, teams are not practicing. Uh, the stadiums are closed because there's that other religion that that plays on the Lord's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and so so. What, what excuse do you have now? You know, if you the the doctor, the nurse, the policeman, the fireman, sure. Yeah. But you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna schedule our our activities around these exceptional these hard cases. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What, one of the many reasons why Ryan's undergraduate institution is maybe the best undergraduate undergraduate institution. Um, yeah. I. I, I the. Uh, college I went to was certainly a lot more secular than that. And so I think there's a lot of benefit. Um, stuff was open, you know, for us yeah. on Sundays. There yeah. was a lot of college life going on, you know, buzzing events that are planned for Sundays. And I think there, there still is in broader society. I think uh, a lot of restaurants put out their best mm. best deals on Sundays. A lot yeah. of uh, sporting events, obviously, or, um, you know, like uh, my, my, life, my wife is a runner. She loves doing five 5Ks. A lot of them are scheduled on Sundays, yeah. you know. So there's a sense in which, even more stuff gets uh, crowds out our, our 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 Sabbaths, you know, and and certainly that was the case for me as a college student. There was a whole lot mm. going on, and so you know, I look back and you know, I, I see a lot of ways in which God protected me in some ways in terms of we were involved in uh, the church youth group that met on Sunday nights, and there was always um, are you a servant team that was meeting on Sunday nights as well, and so there were other ways in which we were engaging in fellowship and and kind of bookending the day. But I I wish. There was a, a, an evening worship service. Looking back on my college days, available to yeah. me that I was explicitly encouraged and trained in, in, in terms of attending and things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah I think uh, moral of the story is go to Grove City. Is is that one of the morals here? That's, 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 <laughs> the, that's the best undergraduate institution from which I have a degree. <laughs> there we go. Free advertisement, right? But but even even if there are activities going on, most of them are not mandatory. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so in a college town, you know, the professors aren't going to be working on Sunday, I would assume, uh, because yeah. you know, their classes are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. I mean, at Grove yeah. City, they did have Saturday classes for a little while, yeah. uh, but not while I was there, thank- thankfully. Yeah. But, you know, I've often heard from college students where they will say something like, uh, oh, Sunday's catch-up day. Sun- Sun- Sunday's when mm-hmm. I do my homework. And uh, I remember two churches ago when I was in Montgomery, Alabama, the church I actually grew up at, but I was helping out with uh, the youth ministry. And uh, one of the associate ministers had his kids in, uh, they, they were youth ministry age. And, you know, and just in all honesty, like they were really cool kids. Like they had a lot of friends and all that, and they played sports. People liked them, but they loved evening worship. Mm-hmm. And they're, they they had a very you know grace driven family culture from everything I could tell and and they instilled in them early that Sunday was a day of worship and they they would do homework on other days and you know uh, I would tell my youth and college kids like that didn't affect them socially uh, you know and they were also they were good students mm. uh, and I think it's helpful to just keep. I feel like, especially in a college, I got to keep telling college students as well. This is uh, very, very beneficial. It's one of the most beneficial things you can be doing. It's literally what the day's for. And mm-hmm. um, so, anyway, but, maybe but even pragmatically, and you know, I, I, yeah. I was a Lutheran when I came to college. So, yeah, the mm-hmm. Sabbath, you know, there, there was no concept. But yeah. when I when I started to keep it and became convinced of it, there was that discipline. So there's there's a pragmatic element that okay well if you if for no other reason, then this will make you a better student because mm-hmm. you're you're being forced to finish your work on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. but on know. the on the teaching side of things, you know, I mentioned that uh, the research project that I, I did, um, the teachers who said that they were Sabbath keepers in that study were also more likely to say that they avoided assigning homework over the weekend or assigning tests or major deadlines on a Monday yeah. or things like that. And so there's this cognizance of, hey, I'm going to set aside the day and I'm going to help my students set aside the day as well. And so now as yeah. I'm a professor, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I try to be explicit and, and to think about how can I structure my class in such a way that doesn't interfere mm. with that. So, you know, my homeworks are due on Saturdays yeah. and I've, I've tried to the best of my ability. I don't think I have scheduled a single test on, on a Monday or something like that. So, you know, little yeah. things like that can for any professors out there listening, you know, go along yeah, with yeah. extending that benefit to the students. So clearly the evening service, we, we would make the argument that there's a lot of biblical precedent for it. Um, there's, there's incredible benefit of it. Um, so everything, I feel like if we're tracking along with this argument is like, yes and amen, that's great. But why are, why do y'all think we're seeing, so many churches, not just PCA, just in general, why are we seeing so many churches not have evening worship? It's hard. It's countercultural. Um, I do wonder how much of it is pastoral laziness. Um, mm. You know, do I, do I like preparing three, you know, morning, evening, and then a Sunday school every week? Well, yes, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I was reading through um, some session minutes from a, a previous congregation from the 19th century, and one of the things they were concerned about in the 19th century was Sabbath keeping, was, mm-hmm. was evening worship, mm-hmm. and it, it going out and encouraging people to come back uh, for yes. evening worship. Yeah. Well, so I wonder how much of, of the lack of evening worship is just that sessions, elders, pastors got tired of encouraging people to do that. Um, and, and I wonder if it's a lack of appreciation of the church that, you know, many churches that used to have yeah, yeah. evening worship now have you know, community groups that meet on the yeah. Lord's Day evening. And that's not the same. You know, that, not, yeah. That's not preaching. Even yeah. if you're in the Word together and fellowshipping, that's not preaching. That's not uh, the sacraments. Yeah. Yeah. I would guess, too, it's probably uh, declining um, familiarity with our standards and our history, what it means to be distinctively reformed in polity and in worship. You know, I think it was, as you know, Ryan's mentioned, a once near universal practice. And in, in some denominations, it still is, you know, um, or uh, I think the URC is pretty close to universal. And then uh, the uh, OPC and the URC, uh, OPC and the RPCNA, certainly much more common than it is in the PCA. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did that study with uh, a friend of mine, Justin Andrusk, 
uh, was published a couple couple months ago, but it was I think twelve percent is what we estimated in the PCA. Yeah, wow. Um, so uh, there's I think a lot of work that we can do uh, to yeah. kind of uh, educate ourselves and uh, educate our people and and to uh, recover uh, reverence and a love for the day. Yeah, yeah. Now here's here's a question. Uh, let's say you know someone's listening to this and uh, maybe maybe they're another pastor at another church, maybe they're planting a church and they have morning worship and they feel like they're building up to evening or they're at a church where the church is interested in having evening. So if a church or a Christian has not been used to this before, how would you, how would y'all want to pastor them? How would you want to shepherd them through this process? Well, that would be patient, right? That, you know, you're this is this is this is there's going to be a cost to this, and as 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 you both have said, when you once you start keeping uh, the Lord's Day consistently, you're going to see wonderful benefits physically and and spiritually. Yeah. Um, but I, I would highlight the benefits. I would you know if if I'm if I'm that person's elder or pastor, I'm gonna in a pastoral visit, I'm gonna bring it up and in, in conversation, uh, in teaching and preaching, make application to uh, the Lord's Day and you know, the benefits of, of evening worship. Uh, but patience is the key, because it, it's not something that we're used to doing. It's, there, yeah. there are so many things that we have to not do in order to be at evening worship. Uh, I know we don't want to make the day about all the things we can't do, but I think we would do uh, a disservice to ourselves in our attempts to pastor people and lead them to these convictions if we're just not even aware of the things that they're going to be giving up to come yeah, back to worship yeah. for another hour and a half, two hours, you know, if, if there's a bunch of fellowship afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, love people through change. And remember, as I said earlier, love of the Sabbath is caught, not taught, you know? Yeah, people good. are all in a different place in terms of where they are, in terms of their understanding and their uh, love of the Sabbath. And uh, I think what we can be doing is hoping that each week our love for it is more than it was the, the week before. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think this is super helpful. And I mean, it's only Tuesday and it's already getting me fired up for uh, looking forward to the first day of the week coming up mm. again. And so brothers, thank y'all so much for joining us on the podcast. And uh, I- I'm thank sure as, as so many of these other uh, conversations I've had, um, I- I'm, I'd love to have a part two with y'all. Uh, so, uh, so thanks for joining us on the gospel gazing podcast. And uh basically virtually traveling to uh, here in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So we're happy to have you all. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for having the conversation.